So let's begin with four temple connections. Before we jump into the initiatory, let me make four temple connections. And I like to, we're going to use the symbol of the square, very temple appropriate. I just want to use a square. And I think when it comes to temple covenants and symbols, remember these four connections. Now, one connection we've covered, and that is that everything in the temple is an invitation to go from terrestrial to celestial, to get out of the, the culmination of the temple, right, is to come out of the terrestrial and into the celestial. So every covenant is pointing to that same thing. Every ordinance, don't miss that. As you sit in initiatory, as you sit in the endowment, as you sit in the ceiling, everything is an invitation to come out of terrestrial and into celestial. That's connection number one. Now, let me introduce connection number two. By Let's go to the place in the scriptures where the Lord commands the building of a temple. The very first time he commanded them to build a temple. They're in Kirtland. It's section 88, verse 119. Section 88, verse 119. Let me pull it up on the screen. We'll look at it together. This was the command to build a temple. All right, verse 119. All right, now, I just... The Lord's mastery of language is brilliant, and I love that. Tell me the verbs he uses. Now, he doesn't ever say, build a temple. Oh, shoot, my iPad's dead. I remembered from my last class. Okay. Sorry. We'll, um... all right, you guys help me out while this charges. All right, give me the first verb. Okay, so, but what's the tense of the verb? Who's, who's the noun? What's the noun here? Who's doing the organizing? That's me, right? That's a command to organize. So the Lord says, I want you to organize so we can build a temple. Now think about that. Collectively as a church, we did that. We had to organize some things. We didn't have an architect. We didn't have material. We had to do a lot of organizing to build that Kirtland temple. But tell me what you have to do in your life. Every one of you, as you've entered the temple, you've had to do what? Some organizing. We all have to organize our life. We have to organize some things. I need to organize myself, but this is me organize second verb he uses is prepare and we had to do that right some of you are doing it now i am preparing to go to the temple we call the class the temple prep class because there's some things i need to prepare there's i need to prepare my mind i need to prepare my heart i need to prepare my life but this is me doing it and what's the last verb establish establish a house and then he lists several several aspects of the house but i love that word because you are being asked to establish the temple how do you do that in your life i think one thing you can do is establish a habit of going establish the temple as something significant i would invite you to have temple pictures 
not just in your house, but in your phone, in your life. Establish the temple as something important to you. Establish the temple. So organize, prepare, establish. You see the verbs as we build a temple? Now watch the brilliance of the Lord. His mastery of language is astounding. Go to the dedication of the very first temple, the temple he commanded them to build in section 88. Go to section 109, which is the dedicatory prayer of that temple and a pattern of all dedications. And watch for those same verbs. All right, ready? Now let's go to section 109. Come on. All right, you guys turn there. Verse 15. You'll find the first one in 15. Everyone find it? Tell me what you notice, though. Tell me. Read it carefully. Ponder it. And tell me what you notice about the verb prepare. Do you see it? Tell me what you see. Ivy, what do you see? Meaning, be prepared. Do you see that play on words? So going back to the command to build a temple, if, okay, I've got it now. Sorry. Going to that, the command to build a temple, if I prepare, I will be, sorry, should have, why did we do organized? Okay, let's go back to this one. If I organize, I will be organized. So who's doing this? This is me. Who's doing this? This is the Lord. If I go to the temple, if I organize, I can't say Lord, sorry. If I organize my life, he will organize my life. You see the play on words? And do you see the promise? If I organize my life, he will organize my life. Tell me, let me tell you, I organized my life so I could go into the temple with my bride. And tell me what he did. He organized us into a family that will last eternally if we keep the covenants. If I organize my life, he organized my life. Do you see the idea? This is brilliant. Therefore, if I prepare, if I prepare my life, then he prepares my life. He prepares me to, I love the language here. What's the language here? CJ, what's the language in verse 15? I will, if I prepare my life and go to the temple, I will, who's got it? 109.15. So, good and bad. If I prepare my life and go into the temple, I'm going to face challenge in my life, right? But the blessing of the temple is that I will be prepared to face those things. That's the brilliance of what he's offering in the temple. Whatever you do, I will do. 
If you'll remember that, that's an, an essential key to unlocking the temple. Is if you prepare, you will be prepared. Now find the last one. 24, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> pardon me. Find the last one. If you organize, let's read it. Someone read 24 through 26 for me. The blessing of going to the temple. Anyone want to read for me? Please. We ask thee, Holy Father, to establish the people that shall worship and honorably hold a name and standing in this thy house to all generations for eternity. And no weapon formed against them shall prosper, that he who diggeth a pit for them shall fall into the same himself, that no combination of wickedness shall have power to rise up and prevail over thy people, upon whom thy name shall be put into this house. Now what was the verb? To establish the people. If I establish the house, that kind of gives me the image of keep it safe, protect it. Don't let anyone harm it. Establish the house. Then I will be established by him. If I organize, he organizes. If I prepare, he prepares. If I organize, if I establish, he establishes. See the play on language? Therefore, make the connection with me. Ready? If he washes me, implied in that is an invitation. Do you see the invitation? If I'm going to be washed in the temple, that means what? I need to wash. If I am going to be anointed, that means I need to anoint. We'll get to that one in a minute. If I am clothed, I need to clothe. Everything we do is that invitation that if I organize, I'll be organized. If I prepare, I'll be prepared. It's that reciprocal relationship. Don't go into the temple and let everything happen to you. Everything that's happening to you is an inv invitation to do it yourself. Let me testify right now. If you wash what you see, he will wash what you see. Do you understand what I mean by that? So Lord, I'm going to wash the terrestrial out of my eyes. I am going to look at celestial things. I am going to work hard to not look at celestial or terrestrial things. I'm going to wash terrestrial things out of my eyes. That's my covenant. I am going to wash terrestrial things out of my eyes by not looking at them. And he says, if you do that, I will wash what you see. And I will show you things you'll never see in any other way. Do you see the relationship we have with Heavenly Father in the temple? Everything has that dual relationship. So my key phrase as we go through this is simply going to be organize, be organized. If I say that, if I remind you of that, then please remember that whatever we're talking about is reciprocal and everything has that relationship so 
if he, like Isaiah, let me quote Isaiah, if he is a nail in a sure place for me, then what? He is asking me to be a nail in a sure place for him. Now you think about that and you'll see the connection. Everything is reciprocal. All right, any thoughts, comments? Does that give anyone an aha that you just made a connection that you want to talk about? Dylan? Okay, any insights you wanted to share? Every, if you'll, you'll get more out of the temple if you realize I'm not going there to be anointed. I'm going in there to anoint. Now, what the heck does that mean to anoint? We'll get to there. Okay, so there's number two. Let's do number three. Let's talk. Let me erase this. And let me just point out. The simple reality that an ordinance, every ordinance in the church is a covenant and a token. Every ordinance has a token and every ordinances makes a covenant. And if you can understand that, you can begin to unlock the covenants because I noticed the token. Now the token is usually the physical thing I do when I am participating in the ordinance. The token is usually an act. So let's start with baptism. Tell me the token of baptism. Okay, so the token is death, burial, and resurrection, right? So I imitate dying and coming back. Does that or does that not tell you what I'm promising to do? Have you ever noticed the Lord does not describe the ordinance, the covenant of baptism? Now, I love Mosiah 18, mourn with those that mourn and all of that. That's a great. But where does the Lord say the covenant of baptism is? What's the prayer? I so baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. That's no description of the covenant. The sacrament, at least, we get a partial description of the covenant. And witness unto thee, O God, the Eternal Father, that they are willing to. But think about it. The Lord does not describe the covenant when we get baptized. Because why? Do you see the brilliance of what he's doing? He puts a token with it. And the token is one of the best descriptions of the covenant. So by going into the water and coming out of the water, tell me what my covenant is. You need to kill the natural man. You need to kill and bury the natural man and come out a newness of life. He just described the covenant with no words, simply a token. Now, it would not be practical to rebaptize everyone every single Sunday. So the Lord says, okay, let's recommit the token, or let's recommit the covenant. Let's just remake the covenant, but we'll do what? 
Let's just change the token. We'll choose a different token to remake the same covenant. That's the brilliance of what the Lord does. The sacrament is a repeat of the baptismal covenant simply with a different token. And the token expounds the covenant. So if I look at breaking bread, I can see in the breaking of the bread what I'm promising to do. What am I breaking? I'm breaking my heart. I'm breaking my natural man. So the token describes the covenant. That's going to be very important. How many covenants do you make in the temple? Don't say five. Because how many covenants do we make in the temple? Countless. When you are washed in the initiatory, are you making a covenant? And how do you know what that covenant is? There's no description of it. How do you know what the covenant is when you're being washed? Well, first of all, I'm promising to wash the terrestrial out of my eyes, but the token is instructive. Why would I wash my forehead? Why might I wash my forehead? Tell me, the, what's the covenant here? I am covenanting to think celestial. That's not unique to President Nelson. That's every endowed person who got washed and they, walked, they covenanted to wash the terrestrial out of their thoughts. Now, if, do you see how all these come together? If I wash the terrestrial out of my thoughts, what does the Lord promise? I will fill your thoughts with celestial things. You remove the terrestrial and I'll fill the void with celestial. That's the relationship. And that's the covenant. Everything we do is a covenant. And we're going to spend a lot of time talking about this one right here. What am I doing? And what's the covenant? Circles. Forming a circle is making a covenant. What's the covenant? Does the, does the action reveal the covenant? Do you see where we're going with that number three? Okay, number four. So this one, I'm just going to simply say ordinance is covenant and token. Can you remember that? Now, let's do this one. You tell me, did I lose my... You tell me, I hope you don't think this is inappropriate. Nope, not that one. Which one is it? All right, where did I put it? I put it in a place I wouldn't forget. There it is. Okay. What's the first thing you're going to do to that baby? Wash him. The first thing I'm going to do is wash him. What's the first thing the Lord's going to do after you're reborn in the chapel 
and you go into the temple, a reborn person. What's the first thing he's going to do? He's going to wash you. Now, if, if this is Simba, heir to the throne, future king, future queen, what would you do next? What happened? Little, who's William's son? Charles? No. Who's William's son? Oh my goodness, who's Prince William's son? The heir to the throne. Anyway, let's do William. When Charles and Diana had Prince William, what was the first thing that they did to him? On birth, they anointed him. And William and Kate, what, what's his name? You got it? Oh, I thought someone looked it up. William and Kate, when they had a son, what was the first thing that happened when he was born? He was anointed. So if this is a king or a queen, after you washed him or her, what would you do next? You'd anoint them. And then you'd clothe them. Wouldn't you? Put a little cloth on them, clothing on them. And then you name them. So coming out of the chapel is the symbolism of killing the natural man. I'm baptized. So the token of baptism is death of the natural man and I am reborn. Now I walk into the temple and this is a great description. Those of you who are entering the temple for the first time, there you are. A bloody mess. Now whose blood this time? Whose blood this time? And you're coming in, you're making your progress, and you walk into the temple, and the first thing the Lord does is He washes you. And because you are royalty and destined to be king and queen, He anoints you. And then He clothes you. And then He gives you a name. Do you see the initiatory? There it is. And now we are prepared for covenants. Washed, anointed, clothed, ready for covenants. Now, as I, you know, we're, we're doing, we're going to focus on covenants, and I taught a symbolism class, and so I did a video on each one of those, anointed, clothed. We can probably do one, maybe two today. You want to do one or should we just move forward and leave it to you watch the video? Should we do one together? Okay, do you want to do, washed is kind of easy. You want to do anointed or clothed? Clothed? I have a vote for clothed. How many say clothed? How many say anointed? All right, we'll do clothed. Okay, so I've been washed. But again, let's, let's put all these three together. So... Washed, anointed, clothed, named, not L, N, named. Okay, so those are our connections. We're moving from terrestrial to celestial. Whatever I do, he does, 
and whatever he does is an invitation for me to do, that the, the way to understand the covenant is to look at the token and understand this process of being born again, going into the temple, washed, anointed, clothed, named. And all of those have a covenant associated with it. So let's do, let's briefly do washed, right? If, if celestial happens inside me. Now, in the baptismal font of the chapel, what was washed? The outer, right? The whole thing. I went into that baptismal font and I washed the whole thing. Now, in the temple, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to wash. What am I going to wash? The inner. So you shouldn't be surprised if I wash my eyes. What's the covenant associated with washing my eyes? Well, first of all, if I do it, he does it. And so you begin to see, I am promising the Lord not to look at things that are celestial and terrestrial, not to think about, not to talk about, not to hold them up on my shoulders, not to walk towards them. I think implied in all of that is I'm going to wash my finger. Tell me why I want to wash my finger so I don't. That's probably today's temptation is I'm not going to tap on anything terrestrial. Now I'm going to live my life as best I can and I need to, but I'm going to do my very best not to tap on things celestial. Do you see the covenant? Okay, let's do what? Let's do clothed. So we've washed this baby. We've anointed this baby. Now we're going to clothe this baby. Let's go back to the Garden of Eden. So much of the temple is associated with the Garden of Eden. Let's go back to the Garden of Eden. Turn with me to Moses chapter 3. Moses chapter 3 has what could be considered an inappropriate scripture. Unless you see the symbolism. Let's go to the last verse of Moses 3. Can you see almost the inappropriateness of this? So let's look at it symbolically. They were both naked, the man and the woman, and they were not ashamed. Think about this. What would nakedness symbolize? Tell me what nakedness would symbolize. There are parts of my life I would like to keep private and hidden. There are things about me that none of you need to know. And there are things about you that none of that I don't need to know, right? And when those parts of me are exposed, I'm embarrassed. Like being caught naked. Have you ever been caught naked in public? I one time thought I was in a locker room, but I wasn't in a locker room and I'm completely undressed and in walk three women. And it's like, I was, what's the word? Naked and ashamed because those parts of me that I'm trying to keep private were exposed and I'm embarrassed. So what does it mean that Adam and Eve were naked and not ashamed? Sometimes they didn't 
Absolutely nothing to hide. It was the, here, dear, take my phone. There is absolutely nothing on it that I need to hide. I, they were completely, absolutely innocent. And then what happens in chapter 4, verse 12? They partake of the forbidden fruit. They have done something and they don't want Heavenly Father to know. And when they hear Him, when they hear Him coming, what do they do? They cover themselves with fig leaves. They cover themselves. Now, see it. See the symbolism. Tell me what the fig leaves represent here. What's the symbolism of the fig leaves? They are using something to hide their transgressions. So we all have modern day fig leaves. Tell me some of the strategies you have used in your life to hide what you've done wrong from everyone else. Okay, silence is a fig leaf. Silence is a fig leaf. We, I cover my sins with, do you see the fig leaf? I cover my sin with silence and I'm not going to tell anyone. Or another common one is, if I do say something, I lie. It was not me. I didn't do it. Now, very common fig leaf, right? To lie. Give me some others. What are some other modern day fig leaves? Okay, what do you mean? How do you erase your sin? You erase the tracks? I clear my browser history. Dad, social media, you erase your cousins. Yep. Because like, I know people, they'll erase all their social media from high school because they're embarrassed. Because I hide it. Okay, give me another one. Okay, pointing someone else. I cover myself with someone else. I didn't do it, they did it. Justification. I, I, I was justified in doing it. I had a reason for doing it. In fact, you're the reason I did it. Blame is a fig leaf. Darkness is a fig leaf. I do it in the dark. D closed doors are fig leaves. I just do it behind a closed door so no one knows. Now, do you see the telestial and terrestrial attitude here? I will hide my sins. Now, the problem with covering your sins with fig leaves, I don't see any of you wearing fig leaves today. Why don't you wear fig leaves? Because they fall off. Fig leaves dry up and fall off. So when the fig leaves fall off, what do they do in verse 14? They hide behind bigger fig leaves. Now look at the tendency, right? When my lie starts to fall apart, tell me what I do. I cover it with a bigger lie. Can I tell you a sad story? A true but sad story. This is Mark and Lori hacking. Mark went on a mission, returned, married in the temple. These two were married in the temple. 
Now, Mark is a student at the University of Utah, and Lori is paying his tuition. She's supporting him and working full-time and paying the tuition. Or so she was told. Mark was not going to classes. Told his wife he was, but was not. Now, how long can you hide under that fig leaf? that I'm a student at the university and I'm taking classes, give me more money to pay my tuition. How long can you hide under that fig leaf? Maybe four years, because what's she gonna expect? I expect my husband to graduate. So four years pass, and guess what? Mark announces that he's been accepted to medical school in Georgia. So he just covered all of his lies with a whole nother lie. We're gonna move and get out of the state. Well, Lori got a little curious about housing and called the university in Georgia, and guess what she finds out? He is not enrolled. He's not a medical student. He's never been accepted. They know nothing about Mark hacking. And the fig leaf comes off. Tell me your next phone call if you're Lori hacking. University of Utah, right? And guess what she discovers? He has not been attending classes. He has not passed a single class. Now, that night when Mark comes home and faces Lori, tell me what he's going to be. Naked and ashamed. Mark had another fig leaf. He had a tree. He had another leaf to cover all of his lies. That night, he shot her. Mark Hacking killed his wife, Lori. He threw her body in the garbage. He covered his lies with garbage. Now, how does he explain Lori's disappearance? Because she's no longer around and people are going to know that. So he came up with a story, a lie, and he said that she was kidnapped. So the police got involved in the kidnapping. Now, what are police really good at? Pulling fig leaves off. And now Mark Hacking is naked and ashamed before the whole world, including Lori's parents. And he can't hide that anymore, right? Do you see what we do as human beings? So what's a better way? Go back to Adam and Eve. When they finally come to themselves, and I know it took a little pointing of the finger. I'm going to grant them a pass on that. But what do they finally do? Both of them. I did eat. What do we call this? Repentance. And as soon as they repent, as soon as they repent, ready? As soon as they repent, Heavenly Father covers them. As soon as they took off the bad covering, Heavenly Father covered them with coats of skins. Play with the symbolism here. What? Where did he get coats of skins in the Garden of Eden? Dylan? He had to have killed an animal to cover Adam and Eve. If you're a betting person, what would you bet he killed? A lamb. Do you see the symbolism? 
Heavenly Father killed a lamb and covered Adam and Eve in its skins. Tell me, what is the garment you put on in the temple? What is the covering, Heavenly Father, and you? It's the atonement. It's the death of the Lamb. If you will. Now, pay attention. Next time you go to the temple and you put on your fig leaves and you have no other covering, right? You have no other covering. There are two very sacred words. When I put it back on, what is it no longer? My fig leaf. What is it now? His covering. It wouldn't make sense that I, cover, I take my covering into his presence, right? That doesn't make sense that I would take my covering into his presence. The only thing I can take into my, his presence is the replacement. So notice I'm going to take it off. Do you see the symbolism? There, my friends, is the token. Now tell me what you're promising to do when you take your fig leaves off. I promise, Lord, I will stop hiding my transgressions. I will repent. I will take off my covering and put on thy covering. Think about it. When you put it back on, what have you already put on? You see the difference between the two? There's the covenant. Now suppose I went through the temple put on a fig leaf, took it off, put on a replacement, and then went home and lied to my wife about what really happened last night. You see what I just did? I broke the covenant I made just earlier that day. And that's how we live our covenants. So if you look at the Temple Recommend questions, Ah, it always takes me a minute to find them. Anyone remember the year? Okay, let me just go to President Nelson. Uh, where are they? Aha. Let's look at the second to last. Okay, not the second to last. Third to last? Third to, third to last. Question number 13. Do you keep the covenants that you made in the temple, including the wearing of the temple garments as instructed by the endowment? Okay, surface level, what's he asking? Do you wear your garments? Or do you take them off when you go things that you... Or do you take them off to do activities you could do with them on? Do you, do you wear the garment appropriately? Okay, good question, right? Tell me what he's really asking. What is my bishop really asking? 
Are you covered by the atonement or have you taken the atonement off? Now that's a very different question, isn't it? Are you covered? And will you take your insignificant covering off to put his on? Here you are with your bishop. Are there any fig leaves you're hiding behind? You see the depth of that question? That question is multifaceted, but what he's really saying is, are you covered? Have you allowed the atonement to cover you? You wear a symbol of his atoning sacrifice every day as a reminder. Are you allowing the atonement to cover you? Now, those coats of skins, are they coming off? Everything I cover in the coat of skin, will it ever be exposed? Is that covering coming off? Do you see the symbolism, the covenant, the invitation, all wrapped up in a beautiful little moment in the temple? Just by putting on an article of clothing, all these things are being asked of you. Will you put off your excuses? Will you come out of the darkness? I love what Lehi said when he was rebuking Laman and Lemuel. We'll read it soon in 2 Nephi. What was the invitation of Lehi to his sons in 2 in Nephi chapter 1? Um, there it is. Awake, my sons. Notice the wording. What's the wording? Put off the armor of, or put on the armor of righteousness. Sorry, put on and shake off. And then do what? Get out of the dark. Get out of the dark. Take off the fig leaf covering of hiding in the dark and come out into the light. And always live your life as if someone's watching. I bear you my testimony if you will take off your fig leaf coverings, he will cover you in his coats of skin and those won't ever come off. I never feel safer than when I'm wrapped in his covering. I bear you my testimony of his willingness to cover you if you will uncover you. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.